0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. I just want to say thank you, whether you're watching or listening, because we know you have busy lives, and we know that you have other things that you could be doing right now. So thank you for watching or listening. I ask that you just maybe subscribe or and or leave a review just to let us know how we're doing and to let others know how we're doing as well. We've been going through a series recently of episodes about why people object to Christianity or object to Jesus, and so today we're going to be wrapping up that discussion with a really important discussion about questions about uh, why people reject the church on grounds that maybe the church is anti-LGBTQ+, or transphobic, or homophobic. It's a really, really big discussion, and there's so many things that we could cover it. We're going to try to be concise with our conversation, um, but there's a lot of different things that we could cover. So um, this isn't necessarily something where there's a specific objection that people have towards the church or towards the Christian faith about these subjects, Um, but there's there's just a lot of different things that kind of come into play here. Mm -hmm. So because of that, it's a big heavy topic, so I've invited Pastor Brad to join us Brad is our lead pastor here at Faith Covenant. So thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. My pleasure. I just had a a thought. Yeah? I think because this is such a
1: profound topic, I think I should pray. Okay. Let's pray. Sounds good. Holy God, we recognize that you have given your son's life for every person on the face of this planet. And for that, we give you praise. We recognize, God, that when we come to a conversation like this, often there is fear and uh lord we pray that whoever is watching this right now uh, that kavan and i as well would uh, lead with love and that we would leave uh, leave this conversation um, edified with a better understanding of your love and uh, we pray this conversation would bear fruit in all of our lives, uh, make Kevin and me articulate, please, Lord. And uh, we pray for grace for all concerned. In your name, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. now So, yeah, I know you. Uh, when we had talked, you had wanted me to kind of share a little bit of my story to start with.
1: Yeah. So let me give context why I want to ask you that mm-hmm. question. <laughs> so one, uh, this 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 should be a dialogue. Uh, it's not just the uh, my answers that are important here. Um, Gavin, your story has a particular uh, context that makes this conversation especially helpful and fruitful to have you a part of it. So why don't you just share just a little bit of your story.
0: Absolutely. So um, many of you at Faith Covenants have heard pieces of this before, but um, part of what my passion is in this conversation is uh, coming to it from a perspective of a gay, celibate Christian. Mm -hmm. And so these are kind of loaded terms sometimes. Um, So I kind of... This is a very long story, and we're going to do another podcast episode in January sometime that tells more of my story, but um, long story short, I kind of came out about 10 years ago, actually, this month, and kind of what what I kind of processed was, okay, I'm gay, I'm attracted to men, but I still believe um, with uh, in the Christian ethic that I grew up with, a Christian sexual ethic that I grew up with. That ethic is that marriage is intended for relationships between men and women, um, males and females, and, um, and sex is intended to be within that relationship. If that relationship doesn't exist, then that sex should be out of bounds. And so what I've chosen in my life to reflect that is, even though my temptations are to be, uh, or are attracted to, or let me rephrase, since my attractions are to men, um, I've chosen to remain single and to pursue God um, from that perspective. And so it kind of creates an interesting place for me, because um, there's a lot of more liberal or affirming Christianity that would tell me, "No, God um, is affirming of same-sex relationships. I just don't agree with that, but I would agree that the church has done some things throughout history that have not been helpful towards uh, the LGBTQ community at the same time with more um, more conservative uh, or churches or or strains of Christianity that adhere to a historic Christian sexual ethic. I agree with that sexual ethic, but I also recognize some of the harm that's been done in the way that the church has managed those questions. Sure. So it's kind of an interesting place to be in kind of a, a middle space um, in many ways. But And again, we'll delve into that more on a future episode, but that's a little bit of the context of how I'm approaching this conversation and why we're having this conversation together.
1: Sure. And, and Kevin, I want to, uh, if I may, allow me to speak for someone who's watching this, who's saying, wait, time out. What, what did I just hear? <laughs> uh, you're gay, mm-hmm. and you're a Christian, mm-hmm. and you hold to uh, the historical uh, orthodox teaching of the church on marriage, mm-hmm. and you feel called for the rest of your life to singleness. I think what people called for the rest of your life to singleness. People are like, oh, okay, okay, I can yeah. get there. Historical, traditional, okay, I can get there. Um, a uh, you have a, a historical orthodox traditional understanding of marriage, sure, but you you call yourself a gay Christian. I'm a heterosexual Christian, but I don't call myself a heterosexual, mm-hmm. heterosexual Christian. Why why the choice to say I am a gay Christian?
0: Yes, and that. This is actually a significant debate um, within other Christians like myself who are uh, maybe attracted to the same sex but living out a a historic Orthodox Christian sexual ethic. Um, There's a lot of... uh, Part of the debate is that some people would say that you shouldn't use sexual identity language like saying I'm gay or bisexual or whatever um, to describe your identity because our identities are rooted in Christ. Mm -hmm. And... I certainly agree that my identity is rooted in Christ. That's why I'm choosing the ethic um, that I'm choosing. Um, The reason that I choose to use the language of gay is just that it's simply descriptive of something real. It's Mm -hmm. not prescriptive of the choices that I make, um, but it's just descriptive of my experience of attraction. And, um, yeah, it's as simple as that. Um, And I I would... Kind of part of the response that I would have to people who would maybe critique that, which is fine to critique. Um, but my critique of um, someone who is saying you shouldn't use that kind of language, my response is that it depends on how you use that.
2: Hmm. Because mm-hmm. a
0: lot of people wouldn't hesitate to say, "Oh, I'm an American Christian." Mm-hmm. Well, if we're not, if we're only supposed to use identifiers that attach us to christ then we shouldn't say i'm an american christian (laughs) we shouldn't say i'm a right-handed christian (laughs) we shouldn't say i'm a white or a black christian um you know we shouldn't say any of these things Mm -hmm. but they are helpful because it just describes something about me in the Mm -hmm. same way that i'm right-handed or i'm pasty white (laughs) (laughs) or my hair is blondish brown people debate that um (laughs) i'm like no i'm brown people like no you're blonde i'm like whatever Um, And so it's helpful language for me to describe my own experience, um, but also in identifying with other people that have similar experiences. Um, Even if I don't make the same choices as them, it's just a helpful way of me to explain things. Sure. When I first came out, I didn't use that language. I just said I'm same-sex attracted, um, but my identity is in Christ, and so I, I didn't like to say I was gay. Part of that was also still... Dealing with internalized homophobia mm-hmm. and fear of that, and over time, I just got to the point where I was like, "No, this is more helpful for me as a descriptor of my own experience, and to understand the experiences of myself and others." Mm. Um, it's also just so much more concise. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's so much easier to just say, "Yeah, I'm gay," other than like, "Well, I'm same-sex attracted, but I whatever, 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 whatever." It's just like, "Nope, I'm gay, but I'm celibate." Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> and and,
1: and it, it, I think it's interesting too. Um, from the, the faith community's perspective, um, it's, I've, I think it's helpful, um, to just, you know, we're just open and honest about it. You're on staff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we don't, as you talk, uh, you help people understand your context, uh, by using the words gay and Christian. Now, um, we recognize, again, our fundamental identity is in Christ. and mm-hmm. uh, you, you have said that purposely. Everyone, please remember, that's what he said. <laughs> uh, but it helps us understand a bit of your story mm-hmm. as we all travel together. And uh, I think that's helpful
0: uh, for our congregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that kind of context established for the conversation, um, What do we do then? Because there are accusations against the church that the church is maybe homophobic or transphobic. um, And they use that as a reason to say, nope, I'm out of the church, I'm leaving, I'm done, or I'm never even going to look at the church Mm -hmm. because there are these accusations. How do we respond to that?
1: Well, um, let's start with what we know of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the very Son of God, um, gave his life for every person on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Okay? And people inside the church and outside the church would say, well, okay, from what we know of the Christian story, it seems like God loves everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it seems like uh, you don't, church, you've been mean, you don't like LGBTQ plus people. And uh, and so I think we have to call it what it is, um, There has been uh, too many times over Christian history where the church and uh, individual Christians have not loved well, in the name of Christ, uh, LGBTQ plus people. Mm -hmm. We haven't loved people who look differently than us, act differently than us. Uh, Christians don't always love each other well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so, yes, the church has sinned against uh LGBTQ plus people um and we have to repent of that mm-hmm. when whenever there's sin the road to freedom is confession repentance and then uh seeking to make amends in the way that that we can and um so i we we call it what it is
2: mm-hmm.
1: we have sinned yeah. and um if you are watching this and a Christian or the church has not loved you well in the name of Christ, in the manner of Christ, then uh, I am so sorry for that. If I have done that, I am so sorry. Um, I hope you will please forgive me. I hope you will forgive the church. I hope also that in your forgiveness, you would bestow the same grace and love that you long. To receive from Christ and Christ's church, that you would give that same grace and love back to us. We are not perfect. My guess is you're not perfect either. And so let us seek to love each other, even though we fail each other.
0: Mm -hmm. When I was just thinking, too, that repentance is a really interesting gift. Yeah. Um, Because, like, you may be thinking, okay, I've never. Participated in any sort of discrimination, um, but you've maybe been in context where that has happened in the church, or you've seen it happen. The thing that repentance does, even when you weren't a part of the problem, it acknowledges the other person's experience and their pain, and it validates it. Mm-hmm. That's all that so many people are asking for, mm-hmm. whether it's about you know homophobia or transphobia or racism. That's what people want to hear is they just want to hear that, yeah, I see your experience and I understand that you've been hurt. Mm -hmm. Maybe not by me, but you've been hurt and I'm a person who's sorry that you've experienced that hurt. Yeah, absolutely. That's so vital for so many people here and to hear in so many contexts. And so really repentance is a great gift because that is a really tremendous act of love. Mm. It's a tremendous way for us to show people, hey, I love you. So I'm repenting of what's been done to you whether I did it or not. Yeah,
1: and you, you were modeling right there
0: that confession always, uh, repentance always
1: involves confession. Yes. Uh, it, it involves giving voice uh, mm-hmm. to what I've done wrong. And uh, so I give voice to it, and then I respond in my life in going uh, not in the same direction of the direction of wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. And, and that's a great gift.
0: Yeah, because p- repentance literally means to turn into another direction. Yeah. That's the most... Well, that's kind of the meaning of the word in, like, oh. the original Hebrew and Greek. Yeah, and the literal
1: meaning of the word. Yep,
0: so. it's a, a turning and mm-hmm. saying, I'm going in a completely different direction from here. So, why would you say so many Christians are, perhaps, so intolerant towards LGBTQ plus people? Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, there's lots of reasons, but... Yeah, yeah,
1: there, yeah, there are. Um, and, you know, let's, um, let's start with the reality um, that there's disagreement. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's disagreement about a sexual ethic, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a sexual way of making de- uh, the decisions about sex. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and so um, in the church, um, and it doesn't really matter which group you're a part of. So you could be Muslim, you could be Buddhist, you could be uh, Jewish. And there are different groups within all of those groups and Or you could be an atheist. Mm-hmm. You could be a Republican atheist, or you could be a, <laughs> uh, a liberal atheist, a Democrat atheist. You know, We, have, we all have these different grou- groups. And each group that we're all a part of actually has uh, sexual ethics mm-hmm. that we agree to. We don't always write them down. We don't always uh, post them. Um, but we do all share the fact that we all have a sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. And often the reason why we struggle is because we disagree about what those sexual ethics should be
2: Um,
1: in christianity we are born out of the the narrative of the bible okay Um, that finds its roots in judaism islam actually and would would say they are born out of that same narrative though it shifts Um, i bring those three up because we're the three monotheistic religions we're born out of a story and out of that story, the scriptures, which is a library of a story, basically, um, there are prescriptions, um, not just descriptions, there are prescriptions for the sanctity and the purity and the holiness of marriage um, between a man and a woman. And um, in, in our uh, group of Christianity, we say the Bible is God's perfect rule for faith and for doctrine, and for conduct. Mm -hmm. And so because it is God's perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct, we subscribe in orthodox, traditional, historical Christianity, (laughs) we subscribe to what the scriptures have said about marriage as being really for two, well, I would say three purposes. Um, Marriage is designed as a a union that helps us understand Christ's love for the church. Mm-hmm. Marriage is a, uh, a gift that God hum- gives humanity for bonding
2: mm-hmm.
1: and for babies. All <laughs> oh, babies. <laughs> um, and we could say God also gives a singleness, mm-hmm. a, uh, an understanding of what it means to trust Christ Um, as Lord of your life and completely sufficient Mm -hmm. in your singleness to lead a meaningful life. I would say we trust in Christianity that a marriage is a means by which God gives us his grace um, and an understanding of his grace. Singleness is also a means by which God gives us his grace. Amen. (laughs) And so, um, and we also know that Singleness is not a curse, Nope, according to our story, mm-hmm. because two of the most important people in our story, <laughs> uh, the Apostle Paul being one, but Jesus Christ himself, He's uh, important. We're, we're single men. Um, and there are a number of other single men and women within the scriptures. And if you go through church history, um, church history is filled with important single men and women who have guided uh, Christianity to, to where we are today. So, all that said, those of you who are like, "Well, I disagree with that." Okay. Granted. Yeah. You're part of a story and you disagree with us. And and so we disagree about how to make sexual decisions and that that disagreement doesn't mean we can't love each other. Right. It simply means we have a disagreement. And it's it's an important disagreement because it is part about part of the way we we, we um Operate together in this world that we live in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's why it exists. It's a disagreement over where, you know, over sexual decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how then do we get to this point of? So we, I understand where we get to this point of disagreement. Where do we get to the point where it turns into like discrimination or hostile behavior towards the LGBTQ community?
1: Yeah. Um, well. So. Uh, a, a number of things come to mind um, in disagreement it doesn 't matter which disagreement is going to be okay Thanksgiving's coming up you might at Thanksgiving at the thanksgiving dinner table have a disagreement okay over politics let 's say um, i don 't know about the story the the viewer it comes from, but in the christian story we are we are called to to live by in your anger do not sin
2: mm-hmm.
1: what happens is uh, often Christians forget that yes. verse, <laughs> and so in our anger we sin. Mm-hmm. In the disagreement we sin. Uh, people on the other side, in the disagreement, they they don't love well either. They, according to our definition, they sin. And so, the and and so there's in our anger we sin. There's also a verse, a great verse in James that says. Um, uh, the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God, mm. and so Christians Christians make a mistake in thinking that our anger is somehow, somehow going to bring about the righteousness of God in you. <laughs> well, that that's not true. Um, we are to be uh, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, the reason why the church has not loved well is because with those we with those with whom we disagree, to the and those with those <laughs> we 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 sin mm-hmm. and and we don't uh love sacrificially. I would say, I'll just throw this in, what Christians need to be reminded of is we are called to give of our very lives for those uh who don't disagree, who don't agree with us. Mm-hmm. Um and, and we're we're called to literally lay down our lives for other people. And um and yet uh we don't long to do that.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, well, I would just add to that a little bit of historical context, and I'm getting this from a book called uh, "Still Time to Care" by Greg Johnson, mm. and he wrote about how probably at least like a hundred years ago, um, but even more recently than that, people like me in the gay in a, uh, a gay Christian. They still existed, you know. Mm, they, sure. There just wasn't a lot of visibility of mm-hmm. any gay people. You know, a hundred some years ago is very much culturally not accepted, both in the church and outside the church. Um, but there were certainly people who were open about it, um, and they were the understanding that much of the church had was okay if a person's gay. That's not a big deal. They just either need to be in a Uh, married to a woman or married to someone of the opposite sex still even if they're still wrestling with that or be faithful in singleness Mm -hmm. and so that wasn't an uncommon thing it was it wasn't necessarily as public as it is today Mm -hmm. but it existed and that was the attitude that was the attitude of um, famous Christian writers like um, C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer um, among others but that was kind of a an accepted understanding of, hey, a person may have these temptations or these attractions, that doesn't mean much. Mm -hmm. It just means that they have a different way that they maybe have to process and make ethical sexual decisions. It was more recently in American culture amidst the sexual revolution that um, once there was more cultural acceptance of sexuality, that's when... Some elements of Christianity began really rebel or not rebelling, really strongly reacting against the LGBTQ community and a perceived dramatic shift and perceived threat hmm. from the LGBTQ community. That's when some of that um, more open hostility developed between the church and LGBTQ communities, at least within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, could could you do you everyone a favor and uh, leave a link to that book? That you yes, just mentioned? Yes, uh, in, I can do that. Yep. The, it's a yeah. really helpful book. It also, yeah, it goes into a lot of things that I won't. Maybe even, even add a couple books that might be helpful for yes, people to understand yeah, the conversation. Yeah, I have a whole, whole yeah. long list of sure. books that are really great. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's just a little bit of the historical context of how did we get to where we are, at least within the American church, with regards to the relationship between the church and the LGBTQ community. So then along those lines, um, how should Christians think about legislation about um, LGBTQ stuff? Um, Because many people kind of thought that was settled with the Supreme Court decision that was, I think, back in 2014 that allowed gay marriage throughout the country. Um, But more recently, there's been more attempts on both state and federal levels at um, legislation that is perceived in different ways as anti LGBTQ mm-hmm. what are should Christians be involved in this should we not what because that's yeah. part of the argument that some people in the LGBT community have about Christians is why are you trying to legislate my rights away mm-hmm. that's that's the question that we're sometimes facing
1: well and I, I think I can give a voice to some Christians who would say um, it feels like my rights are being taken away to hold to the perti- the particular uh, view that I have mm-hmm. uh, of marriage um, again i want to I want to just say that the very nature of the the disagreement is one side has a particular view, another side has a different view, and those views are in conflict mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the political square i mean the political square in the United States is designed to be doesn 't always operate this way <laughs> but it 's designed to be a place where, um, people come together to make decisions that are, um, uh, good, right, and true, and helpful for the community, mm-hmm. the larger community. And, um, <laughs> the problem is we have different groups who disagree on, um, sexual ethics. Um, and, and I would say, uh, Christians should give grace to people who are trying to legislate for their particular view mm-hmm. and this is true whether it 's gun rights or whether it's um,
0: uh, abortion abortion
1: or whatever you know, you, have, you have different views um and and each side thinks it will be helpful if we have laws and boundaries to guide the way they communicate the way the the community uh, operates
0: Uh within these um decisions and so by the way we have some worship music going on next door (laughs) i don't know if the mics are picking that up but if you hear that that's what that is yeah (laughs) um and so uh
1: i would say um i i I know personally uh you know there are certain freedoms within um our political landscape within our country that that i hold dear Mm -hmm. you know um our country is a great country because people who disagree can come together and try to create laws that uh, we think are best for our community. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, there's going to be disagreement. And in disagreement, their emotions are going to get involved. Fears are going to get involved. But I think both sides need to come to the table and talk about these things. Um, And you know the very nature of our country is um there will be votes, and uh people will vote according to the story out of which they are born mm-hmm. or out of uh, the story out of which they they find meaning. if you disagree if if you're an atheist you're you're very likely not going to agree with my understanding of the world um but that doesn't mean. We shouldn't both come to the table and talk about well, how do we do life together in our cities, our counties, our commun- our states, our government um, i I don't know any way around it i think I think we just have to come to the table um, and our politics are designed to allow us to do that,
0: yeah a couple of my thoughts on that are. One, one of the big questions is, is the community within which we're doing politics, is it a Christian community? People have different opinions on whether Mm -hmm. America is a Christian nation or not, or should be. And so that's a part of the conversation, too, is how do we legislate for people who may or may not have the same faith as us? So that's one piece of it, and that's a very difficult piece of it. Um, especially when you try to talk about the intent of the founding fathers. you know, Did they intend for it to be a Christian nation? Different people go back and forth on that. Yeah. The other thought I have is that um, God's law is still God's law. Even if our civil law doesn't reflect that. So um, certainly for Christians who are living in that story like you talked about. Of a story rooted in the Bible. Um, certainly we want to have civil law reflect that. But even if it doesn't. God's law is still God's law.
1: Right. If I could just add, you yeah. know, just just because I have the freedom to go to a liquor store and, uh, you know, buy 10 pints of vodka and drink them all tonight. Doesn't <laughs> that, mean it's a good idea. Doesn't mean that's a good idea. Um, <laughs>
0: please don't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and so in, in Christianity, it doesn't matter which country we live in, we would say uh, fundamentally we are part of the kingdom of Jesus. And... And it doesn't matter what the laws of the land yep. are, we uh, abide first and foremost uh, according to the ways of Christ. And, uh, and so we, um, yeah, it, so it really doesn't matter in one sense what's happening legally. Uh, everything can change legally in the United States. I'm still bound uh, to the king's kingdom and his ways. Yep.
0: So if you and I go to a different country where the laws are completely against what the Bible says or not in alignment, we still are under God's law. Absolutely. And we still have to abide by that. Absolutely. So,
1: there's great freedom in that. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. and and there is. And so for me, that, that means that I don't... That takes a lot of stress off of me for saying I don't need to make the law of the land reflect the law of my God. Right. Because... That doesn't change. Right. Even if another if another person doesn't accept that law, we can't legislate their heart mm-hmm. into alignment with God. That just doesn't work. Yeah. The other thought I have about some anti-LGBTQ legislation is, um, and this doesn't apply to all the laws, but um, there is some legislation or attempts at legislation or ideas out there sometimes in uh, in politics and in government of people trying to. Uh, Legislate certain anti or legislate against certain lgbtq relationships, but it's not biblically consistent because it's not legislating the same thing for straight people, sure, and so it's like i'm as as a gay person, I'm under the same sexual ethic and same sexual law of God as a straight Christian too mm-hmm. and so if you're going to legislate something about gay sex or gay relationships but you're ignoring what's going on in straight relationships, Mm -hmm. that is then something that's specifically aiming at LGBTQ people. And if you're only aiming at one group of people and their sin and ignoring the sin of another group of people or yourself, Mm -hmm. that even for me as a gay person who is adhering to a Christian sexual ethic, when I see that, I'm like, that's an attack against me. Yeah. Even though I'm not making those same decisions that's something that's against me and that's hurtful sure because somebody is singling out a group of people and ignoring the same behaviors in others mm-hmm. and so it comes across as hypocrisy and deliberate discrimination and hurt if a legislator were saying i want to just legislate against all marriage or all sexual activity that's outside of marriage that person i, I don't think that would be effective legislation first of all no. but I can at least say at least that person's consistent, and mm-hmm. they're not targeting me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something I want to caution us to be aware of as Christians of when we're looking at some of these laws of saying, "Okay, if this legislation is maybe only singling out things against one group of people, when really you is that is that consistent?" Mm-hmm. Is is the question I would pose to people? Is it consistent with the entirety? Of the ethic and the entirety of the story, yeah, and if I could
1: maybe fly ten thousand feet higher than that um, whether whether you're a Christian or not, everyone seeks um, is i think this is part of our what in Christianity we would call our fallen nature mm-hmm. that it, that we all seek to find a scapegoat on whom we can pour our wrath yes. so we don't have to deal with our own stuff, yes. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Republicans do it to liberals, liberals do it to conservatives, um, Christians do it to, you know, any number of groups, any number of groups do it to Christians. It Every group seeks to find a scapegoat yep. and to pour their wrath on their scapegoat, because they think if, if I can pour my wrath on the scapegoat, then I will find freedom. Mm-hmm. Interesting that uh, that metaphor is is used for jesus uh is the the lamb that takes away the sins of the world um that's a whole other uh discussion
0: yeah another thing that i want to bring up in this or another question i want to ask in this conversation is should christians hold non-christians accountable for a christian sexual ethic um because the bible talks about um Not judging other people, that's often a big criticism of Christianity, and that comes into play in this conversation especially. Um, But there's also portions of Scripture, um, particularly Paul, talks about, you know, we're not here to hold the outside world accountable. We do have to hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. We can't hold the outside world accountable for something they don't believe in or a story they haven't heard yet. Mm -hmm. So how how does that work into this conversation? How do we process that as Christians of we hold each other accountable certainly mm-hmm. do we also hold accountable people outside the faith well
1: yeah, okay so you've you've articulated uh what the apostle paul speaks of in 1 corinthians and then 2 corinthians uh, i won't go in, in, into the go into the whole argument but it, uh paul writes a letter to a, a particular church group in uh, corinth and there's and it's not um same sex Sex. That's that he's addressing. It's uh, heterosexual sex. Um, that's outside of the bounds of the scriptures, and um, and he is uh, he gives counsel to the congregation to to deal with what's going on. It's 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 like way outside of uh, the boundaries. It's as he say he says it's 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 that which people outside the church wouldn't even uh, uh, agree with. Yeah. Um. Uh. Which
0: at that time is saying a lot. Right.
1: <laughs> Um, but then he comes back in, in 2 Corinthians, and he, which is the second letter that he writes to the church. And he says, one, okay, now um, give grace to that person now so that hopefully they'll return. And, and, he, and he adds a little caveat. He says, you know, by the way, you know, you can't, you can't, our call is not to judge those outside the church. Mm-hmm. But our call is to hold each other accountable within the church. And... Um, and I think, you know, that's for Christians. That's really the best place to start. Mm. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, those those watching who don't agree with Christianity, um, it's not my job to ask you to abide by the the, the, the sexual mores of Christian of the historical traditional Christianity. Um, Yet it is Kevin's job is if he sees me out operating outside those boundaries to approach me in a loving way mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, Brad." In a loving way. Yeah, <laughs> it, you're you're operating. You're you're going off the rails here, mm-hmm. and um and so you know that that and and we would say even in Christianity that that is a gift to offer that to each
0: other.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we we've talked about a wide range of things, and there's so many other things that we could get into with this I want to kind of bring it down into kind of summation of how do we then respond to someone if if they're saying something along the lines of the church has been hateful or has been wrong towards LGBTQ people and that's the reason that they're either leaving the faith or staying away from the faith altogether or getting out of this particular church or that particular church how do we respond to that? I'll start, because I've been putting you on the hot seat for most yeah, of these yeah, questions. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, but I will start by simply saying um, that, yeah, like we said earlier, the church has done wrong in mm-hmm. many circumstances, and we need to repent of that. Um, that needs to be very clear to anyone who is making these critiques, because they're valid critiques. Like, mm-hmm. the church has done wrong, historically, against LGBTQ communities. However, just because the church has acted wrong does not mean that the church believes the wrong thing. So sometimes, and this is true of a variety of of conversations, but um, just because the church behaves badly in regards to a particular doctrine doesn't mean that the doctrine itself is wrong. Mm. And so that, that would be kind of the core of my response to someone who is um, expressing those things. Because... We want to validate the very real harms and concerns that have happened in the world. If we don't, we look extremely stupid and ignorant Mm -hmm. of the very real harms that have happened. So acknowledge the harms and say, yes, these things have happened, and I am sorry. I want to do better. I want to help my church community do better. I still believe that there is a core truth, however, Mm -hmm. at the center of all this. And that is still something that is true and something that I still believe. That may not convince the person... Right, but that's I think at least part of the response. That's where I would. That's my starting point. Mm-hmm. What about for you? Well,
1: I, I guess I would offer this analogy that uh, for anyone who disagrees with the church, um, I'll, I'll I'll start with the analogy. Okay, um, we've talked about this. Uh, that that the church is is really like an AA group. Yes, Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, so in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a community of people who gather together um, because um, they all are struggling with something that's destroying them, Mm. okay? Um, Alcoholism. And so they come together and they have a standard. Um, What's the standard for an AA group, Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, the standard is you don't drink. Mm -hmm. And everyone in AA comes together. Why? Why? because they drink. <laughs> and uh, and everyone knows in AA, we're here because we really struggle meeting the standard. Mm-hmm. And we know when we don't meet the standard, it's destructive to us. Mm-hmm. And so we come together, but we actually hold each other accountable. Um, and we there are times of confession. <laughs> Hi, my name's Brad. I've been, I had a I've been sober for 24 hours I had a drink yesterday you know um, hi Brad um, there's, so there's confession there's repentance there's grace there's truth you know the uh, the 12 steps actually are um, a wonderful actually born out of uh, a Christian's life mm-hmm. um, and, and journey through the scriptures they actually are helpful but they, they everyone recognizes we don't meet the standard but that doesn't mean the standard's wrong yeah Now, again, you can disagree with the standard, but those of us who come together for Christianity understand the ways of Christ, that the life of Christ is the standard. And it's the it's a beautiful standard. And we all recognize we don't meet it. And we all recognize we literally need the very lifeblood of Christ. Uh, in us to make us whole and thats the whole other podcast um, but the standard is not wrong the standard of mm-hmm. christ um, and but when we operate outside of that standard with each other or with people outside of our faith community um, it it's ugly mm-hmm. it doesn't work and and so we come back together and we say uh, hey kevin um, you were you know you said something to so-and-so and it it hurt their feelings. It was cruel. You, you seemed manipulative or, or selfish. Or you, you know, say that to me. You know, th- this is the way we try to roll in Christendom, um, and we struggle and we fail all over the place. And the scriptures actually tell the story of a church that struggles mm-hmm. and needs uh, is full of sinners who all need a savior, and that's that's the whole, you know,
0: the uh, the, the community lives in
1: that struggle.
0: Yeah. So this conversation is really just scratching the surface yes. of what to do when someone is objecting the church um on some of these grounds um so if you ever have any more questions about it please feel free to reach out with us mm-hmm. this is not something that we just solve in a quick podcast with a quick dialogue um these are long conversations that need to happen with mm-hmm. people um within the church and outside of the church um and so I have a number, I'll, I'll put a couple of the books in the uh, episode notes, but I have a, I know of a lot of really great resources that are really helpful for conversations around LGBTQ plus issues um, and how that interacts with the church. There's, there's a lot of really great content out there about that, so please let me know if you're ever needing any of that. Um, any last thoughts from you uh, before we check off? No, I, I, the only thing I'd say is um, no matter who you are watching
1: this, um, we believe God's crazy in love with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our best to love you well in grace and truth. Um, I would ask that you give us grace and um, and you give uh, us truth uh, when when we're out out of bounds. And um, and let's I think both sides. Um, not that everyone watching is disagrees, but. Uh, most everyone believes that that love is a good thing, but even that uh, leads to disagreement.
0: Well, what's loving? (laughs) That's probably another podcast. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great note to end on. So, thank you for joining us, Pastor Brad. And uh, this is kind of the conclusion of our series about um, reasons that people object to Jesus. Again, there's more than what we covered in these few episodes. Um, But yeah, that's just kind of the beginning of a conversation. So, Uh, If you have any other questions, concerns, comments about today's episode or any other episode, um, please feel free to let us know. My email is listed in the comments or the episode description in the notes. So please uh, make use of that. And again, check out any of the resources that I add um, for more about this particular conversation. Um, As always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. See you.